Welcome to episode 15 of the Pens Cast. Lucas Wester here with you on Tuesday, June 27th, 2023. And it is the busiest week in hockey. We are in the midst of it. We are really starting, really, just to get into um, the, the thick of it all. And from what it sounds like down in Nashville, it, the air is thick right now, not only with rumors of uh, trades and you know draft picks, but also temperature-wise. All of the people that are down there right now covering the draft and the awards and all of the subsequent nonsense that and tomfoolery that goes around during this week, um, everyone's talking about how hot it is in Nashville. Now in Pittsburgh this week, it has been rainy, it has been super, super humid, and it has been hotter because of the the rain, but if anyone's going to make it rain next week, it's going to be Kyle Dubas during July 1st on free agency. Um, but there's a lot to talk about this week, and I'm going to try to get through as much of it as possible while not missing anything because things are actively happening as I'm doing this just before I started recording the Philadelphia Flyers and the St. Louis Blues completed a trade where the Flyers retained half of Kevin Hayes' salary for the duration of his contract and received a sixth-round pick in the 24 draft from St. Louis. So Kevin Hayes is going to St. Louis for half of his salary and only 60, or sorry, only a sixth-round pick. So that's what I'm trying to say. Things are happening quick. Yesterday, even we saw a trade between Chicago and Boston where. Boston shed salary and Chicago got two veteran forwards who are going to probably be able to help insulate Connor Bedard once he gets uh, into the NHL. Nick Foligno, unsigned, but then re-signed this morning to a one-year deal, was sent there as well as Taylor Hall, who has another year left on his $6 million deal he had in Boston. So a former first overall pick and and a former captain going to Chicago to help Bedard. Boston gets cap relief. I like it. But that's not Penguins related, so why would I even mention it? A lot of Penguin, Penguins news has happened this week, and I'm going to start off with something that's not as much related to the draft, the current team, the moves, all that, but something that needs to be mentioned nonetheless. Uh, longtime Penguin goaltender Tom Barrasso finally gets the nod to the Hockey Hall of Fame. He is uh, he played a long time, and a long time with Pittsburgh as well. He spent... 12 seasons of his 20-year career, I believe it looks like. Uh, he spent a long time in the NHL. He made his debut at age 18 with the Buffalo Sabres in 1983-84 season, and his final seasons, season was with St. Louis. He only played six games in 2002-03 with the Blues, but most of those years were with Pittsburgh. He won two Cups in his time here. He won a Vesna, a Jennings. He won the Calder Trophy in his rookie season, nonetheless. Um, so he started off on quite the bang, getting the Calder there. Uh, and he, th- that was back in the time when teams weren't afraid to, p- to just play rookie goaltenders for most of the season. He was 18, and he played 42 games. And he actually had not too bad of a season considering the era. He had uh, he was 26, 12, and 3, his record. And his save percentage was 893, which in today's terms doesn't sound great. But in the 80s, not terrible. Not terrible. He was uh, up against some really good uh, players back then. And he was able to hold down the fort. But he's forever a part of those back-to-back Stanley Cup winning teams with the Penguins. He was uh, he's, he has a lot of fans still in Pittsburgh. A lot of older fans, if you talk to Penguin fans who have been around a while, 
still mention how much they love Tom Barrasso. He was the flurry before we had flurry. He's definitely a top two, top three goaltender we've had of all time in the organization. So I'm very happy he's getting recognized for his efforts. Um, there are some other people who got elected to the Hall of Fame, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention them. Um, let me get them all up. I know one of them was Henrik Lundqvist, who was a long, long time uh, Penguin killer. But eventually we got to him, and it was helped us uh, win those cups uh, later in the um, in the in you know the the modern Penguin era. Henrik Lundqvist, Tom Barrasso, Carolyn Ouellette, who else do we have here? Pierre Turgeon, Mike Vernon, Ken Hitchcock, and Pierre Lacroix. Uh, a lot of good names. A lot of big names there. Um, got some. Got three goalies there in Barrasso, Lundqvist, and Mike Vernon. Um, it's a good Hall of Fame class. I'm happy more goalies are getting in. Um, only one woman gets in, and uh, which the electors are allowed to induct two, which seems like a crazy rule to me. But um, they didn't even use the spots that they were allowed to, which seems pretty uh, bizarre. I think that more women should be elected in the Hockey Hall of Fame, but um, yeah, and as well as I think more goalies also do. But um, you know, goalies got their due this this round. I think we need to see more women be elected to the Hockey Hall of Fame because there's a lot of elite, you know, uh, game-changing women in the game that uh, who have not gotten their due yet in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Um, but all in all, I think this is a very talented class. I think every person who got elected was, uh, was you know, inevitably going to get in, and they all deserved it. I'm happy Barrasso finally got his due. I was worried he wouldn't because it had been some time since he'd been eligible. Uh, Hitchcock got in as a builder. He was a, he's been a coach for a lot of teams a long time. Pierre Lacroix was the Nordiques, you know, the Avalanche executive. A lot of good names here. Very happy with this uh, Hall of Fame class, other than they're not being uh, more women represented. But uh, happy the goaltenders are getting in and like the names that we do got. So, um, yeah, so it's one day before the NHL draft and it's still not entirely clear what Kyle Dubas is planning on doing for the draft in terms of what he's doing with that pick. But he did shed some light on his plans this offseason on uh, during a press conference on what day was that? the 23rd. He got up there and uh, in his Penguins quarter zip and helped uh, shed some light on what we are expecting on this offseason for the Penguins, specifically in the next coming week or two. And I'm going to follow along on Twitter here with some of the tweets that were live tweeted during his press conference. This is uh, on uh, Josh Yowie's Twitter uh, thread, so thank you, Josh. Dubas said it's unlikely the Penguins will trade first-round pick. He said they're interested in players on team that are looking to shed salary. Teams that are looking to shed salary, pardon me. So not the Penguins team. And how did people interpret this? Take a look last year at the... Uh, Oliver Bjorkstrand trade where the Blue Jackets had to had to shed salary because they were signing Jonathan uh, good sorry Johnny Goodrow not Jonathan Drew Johnny Goodrow and they basically sent Bjorkstrand to Seattle for nothing and Bjorkstrand was a very solid player for the Kraken look at just what happened last week with the Ryan Johansson deal they retained half of his deal so they made him a four million dollar player to Nashville and they sent him to the Avalanche. The Avalanche got a good second-line center for nothing. The Alex Galchenyuk rights are nothing. They're not going to resign. Uh, Nashville's not resigning him. 
it was just a way to get uh, Joe Hansen in the roster spot out of Nashville. So look at trades like that. There are a lot of guys that you could think of in that terms. One of the guys who I saw floated on Twitter and I thought was an actually really good idea for that same situation was Taylor Hall. But Taylor Hall was just dealt to Chicago. And I don't think Chicago isn't going to be in the business of flipping him. They need to reach the cap floor. And his $6 million makes him the highest paid player on that team. And they're going to need to hold on to that. They can't get rid of that. Um, another guy I look at them considering that's going to be on a team that's up against the cap is Victor Arvidsson on the Los Angeles Kings. He was acquired, I think, last offseason from Nashville, ironically enough. And he is a good forward. He's a productive uh, right winger who I think could really fill in well on the top six if there's room on the top six. Looking at you, Jason Sucker. But we'll have to wait and see about that. But I think that's the kind of deal that Dubas is alluding to. He's not going to just trade a first-round pick for, you know, some forward or just for, for some random defender in the Western Conference. You know, he's gonna he's gonna hold on to that pick for players. I, that he's not rolling out trading back. He's rolling out using that pick for players. So I think that's an interesting little note to. Uh, consider when reading that about what Dubas was saying um, there. But also, Dubas mentioned that he's not a fan of buyouts, and he thinks there's more creative solutions to shedding salary. Uh, and you have to look no further than his time in Toronto, where Kyle Dubas sent a first-round pick to Carolina to take on the Patrick Marlowe contract and bury it. Um, I think they actually bought it out, I'm pretty sure. So that seems to be his philosophy on buyouts. You don't actually do a buyout. You find other teams to take all of the salary or most of the salary and deal with that. So as much as I and everyone else expected Mikhail Granlund to be bought out this you know, this week, seems like Dubas isn't a fan of it and probably isn't going to ha- let it happen. The only buyout Dubas did in Toronto was with Jared Cowan, who was still on an under-26 deal. So he was able to actually get cap relief by buying him out. And that's what he, you know, inevitably did. Um, So big news was made in Toronto about Dubas's comments on Pittsburgh, where someone asked him, how are you liking Pittsburgh? How's your family acclimating? And Dubas said, it's a great city, uh, referring to Toronto, but this feels like home. He also talked about, you know, how Pittsburgh feels more like his hometown of Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. So... People in Toronto did not like that. They thought that was a jab, and they got really butthurt about it. Um, the guy's not from a big city. The guy's from a smaller town, more intimate environment. And if you spend a year in Pittsburgh and you then you spend a year in Toronto, you're going to be able to tell that there is a very much cultural, you know, feel difference. You, you stay in Pittsburgh, you're going to see the same faces a lot. You know, you if you stay in a neighborhood that's like a walkable neighborhood and you go to the stores, the groceries and whatnot, it's going to feel different than living in Toronto for the most part. Toronto is a much more densely populated, bigger city. Pittsburgh is not like that. Pittsburgh is not very dense at all. Very low and declining population, frankly. And it's a more intimate environment. That's just how it is. It it wasn't a shot at Toronto. It was just a comparison to what he's used to, what he feels like home feels like to him. 
and he likes Pittsburgh. But all, but also, I there, there's some people online that were making good points. They gave him buttloads of money for in a seven year deal. Do you think he's going to get on the mic and say, you know, we're really not feeling like like this is the place now? I know Kyle Dubas gets on press conferences and says some cantankerous things. He's not going to get on there and say, you know what? Not really vibing with this whole uh, Berg thing. You know, you guys put fries on salads and sandwiches. That's a little dank. He's not going to do that. He's just given full control of a franchise for probably a decade. It's a seven-year deal, but let's be honest. I mean, if things work out, he's going to be able to be in Pittsburgh as long as he wants. Look what David Poyle did with uh, Nashville. He was there for like three decades running the team. So I'm not trying to make it a big deal. It's not that big of a deal. I just think it's funny how the people with the uh, egos in Toronto got so butthurt that Toronto, uh, that uh, Dubish just said, I like Pittsburgh. It feels like home. It's all he said. He didn't say Toronto's trash. Toronto's not trash. Toronto's a great city. I've been there my fair share of times. Beautiful. Lots to do. I'm not saying Toronto doesn't have culture, uh, you know, culture and good uh, vibes to it. I'm just saying Pittsburgh's different. They're two different things. Toronto's more big city. It's one of the biggest cities in the world, for God's sakes. Pittsburgh is barely a city. Pittsburgh's a town, almost. You know? That's how I look at it. No no disrespect to Toronto. And that's the dubious meant no disrespect to Toronto either. But I think there's definitely still some hard feelings about Toronto not have or Maple Leafs fans not having Dubis anymore. Now, when they had him, there were a lot of fans there that were, you know, the sunglasses selfie Facebook profile guys who were like, this Dubis guy doesn't know what the hell he's doing, you know? But now that they don't have him anymore and they have Brad Trey Living, they just have another one of the boys club, uh, the old boys club, granted, it's a little different. I don't think that they're liking it as much. And they're going to make some deals that, uh, frankly, are not. I don't think they're gonna, they're going to make that team much better. Look at the he was handcuffed, granted, in Calgary, but look at the deals he made, and look how much of a nosedive that Flames team made from last season to this season. When he's handcuffed, which he was that final year in Calgary, he makes just whatever move he can make to try to get the value back, and he got good value back, but he destroyed the team in the process. He destroyed Jonathan Huberdeau, who got like 60 less points this year than he did last year. So I'm just saying, I think that there's a little animosity about Dubas leaving. I think Maple Leafs fans deep down wanted to keep Dubas, and they're a little upset that he betrayed them and left. But he's ours now, so sorry, tough, get over it. Um, win a cup, guys. Let's go. The hell, man. Um, all right, what else is there? I heard some rumors being floated around, speaking of Dubas, that during his time in Toronto this past trade deadline, um, he went after Eric Carlson, or he at least made calls on Eric Carlson. And I think it was on the 32 Thoughts podcast with uh, Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman where they were trying to talk into existence, is there a possibility that Dubas goes back to that Eric Carlson well? Is it a possibility that he thinks he can make that fit in Pittsburgh. Now, I'd like to put a big N-O to that. I would not think that that's a good idea, but hey, who am I? But he did just win the Norris yesterday. Congrats to him. 25 goals, 76 assists, and 101 points on the worst, one of the 
two or three worst teams in the NHL in the San Jose Sharks. There were there was a void of offense on that team, but he had the best season offensive season a defenseman's had in decades. So imagine what he could do on a team that had some offense. If you put 22-23 season Carlson on the Penguins, on last year's Penguins, he might get 120 125 points. He may rival Connor McDavid. Now, I know that's a stretch. That's a, that's a wild thing to say. But who, if you would have told two years ago any hockey fan that Eric Carlson would get 100 points um, you know, when he was in the midst of his downfall, no one would have believed that. I don't think it makes sense at all, asset-wise. I don't think the Penguins have it because it sounds like San Jose doesn't just want to dump this contract. They want to actually get assets for it. And some of the mock trades I've seen on Twitter, they want to get a lot of assets. They want to get first round picks. They want to get prospects. And I don't think the Penguins have that for them. They just don't, especially after Dubas said he doesn't want to trade that first round pick. But also financially, does not make sense. He makes $11.5 million this year, next year, the following year, and you can't forget about the final year. So if you include next season, four full seasons of $11.5 million for a guy who is currently 33. He actually just turned 33. So by the end of it, he's going to be 37. Yeah. Um, who has his fair, fair share of injury issues. And if you look at offensive right-handed top pairing defensemen on the Penguins with injury issues, you don't have to pay $11.5 million for it. You have to pay 2.1 or whatever Chris Letang got in his last deal. Um, but I just I don't see it making sense. You have that you have a similar guy, not to the caliber of Eric Carlson. Granted, Eric Carlson is a first ballot Hall of Famer, one of the best defensemen of our generation. I think Chris Letang inevitably will be a Hall of Famer, but I don't think he's to the level of Eric Carlson. It just doesn't make sense fit wise. If it was a, I could see them wanting to go after another defenseman, another big, like name defenseman, maybe like a Noah Hannafin possibly. It just, this one just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense asset wise financially. I don't see it happening, but it's interesting to think, imagine Eric Carlson in a Penguins jersey, just, you know, thinking about that a little bit. Moving on, then we're going to take a quick break. But one thing I do want to mention, one little quick thing is yesterday at the NHL awards, obviously 99% of the trophies went to either Connor McDavid or a Boston Bruin, but the ones that didn't, the Bill Masterton was one of them. Chris Letang won the Bill Masterton trophy for adversity um, and who, who was more deserving, you know, who was more deserving. He had to go through his second lifetime stroke and he came back and he missed, I believe 12 or 14 games, something like that. He also had to play through and power through the loss of his father right during the holidays. It was right. I believe it was right before, uh, New Year's or somewhere around uh, the Winter Classic. So he's been nominated before He's because he's been through a lot in his career, injury-wise, life-wise. He's He's been a soldier. When it's all said and done, not only should Crosby and Malkin get statues outside of PPG Paints Arena, Chris Letang needs one too. That guy has been a warrior for this franchise. Never left. He had an opportunity to last season, never left, stuck with it, stuck with this group of players, and he has 
put his body and his life on the line for that franchise so many times. And he does not get talked about enough, in my opinion. There's a lot of Penguin fans online, including a specific Twitter account, that loves to trash on Chris Letang. But you know what? He's gave everything to this team, to this fan base. There's, I, I, I can't say a bad thing about Chris Letang. His contract might not look great in the last few years because he's going to be 41, making six, $6.1 million. I don't love that. But you know what? He's earned it. He's earned it. I'm not, I don't have an issue with it now. I might, I might be a little pressed about it at the, at the time when the Penguins are bad and cap-strapped and everything. But you know what? He's earned it. I'm saying it now, so I'm probably going to go back on it, but I don't care. I don't care about that contract. It's going to be fine. Let him retire in Pittsburgh. Let all three of them retire in Pittsburgh. Crosby and Malkin get the bulk of the airwaves in Pittsburgh. Chris Letang needs more. That's a Hall of Fame player, a Hall of Fame person, as well as his family, because he he uh, credited a lot of what he, you know, his willpower and his ability to come back and make a comeback, continue playing hockey. Um, he's done that all on, you know, with his family. So, uh, big congrats to the Latang family and household. Um, very, very, very proud of him for getting that Masterton trophy. It's not the trophy anybody really wants. But you know what? Sometimes you need to be recognized for your adversity and how strong of a human being you are. Chris Letang's that guy. When we come back, we're going to talk more about what Dubas said in that press conference because I didn't actually finish everything I wanted to say. There's some scheduling news that's coming out that I want to talk about as well as some news about the dun-dun-dun rival Washington Capitals. We'll be right back after this short break. New customers. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. Bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in West Virginia, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. All games regulated by West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly. In partnership with Hollywood Casino and Charlestown Races in Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. 21 plus in most states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after assurance. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. Max bet $50. 10-plus leg parlay required for 100% boost. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com baseball terms. Welcome back. Well, I lied a little bit. Well, let's be honest. I lied a lot. It is now Wednesday, June 28th. I did not come right back to recording. I got busy. I had things I had to do yesterday. But it's good because today's draft day now. We are five hours, I think, from uh, first pick and a lot of moving parts, a lot of things that have been happening. I do want to get to everything I talked about uh, that I said I was going to talk about first. Then we'll get more into the um, into the things that have happened since. So what I did mention was... 
uh, Penguins scheduling stuff. So the first of all, the preseason schedule came out and, you know, no huge surprises besides the Penguins will be going to Nova Scotia to play the Ottawa Senators, which is a homecoming for Sidney Crosby, of course. I believe he has played there, the Penguins have played there before. Let me do a double check on that because I don't want to sound like an idiot, but I do believe they've played there in the past. I believe Sidney Crosby's played there in the past. Um, So it will be seven total preseason games this season. It will be in the home of the Halifax Mooseheads, so uh, 10 miles from Cole Harbor, for those of you keeping track. Uh, I can't seem to find whether the Penguins have played in Nova Scotia before, but I believe I read somewhere that they had. I couldn't remember it off the top, but I'm pretty sure they have. Nonetheless, pretty fun, exciting things there. That was probably the biggest news throughout the entire league in terms of the preseason is that Crosby will get to go and play in front of his, uh, his you know, hometown people, you know, his family, things like that. It's going to be exciting for him. Um, another thing I wanted to touch on was the... A little bit more about the Dubas presser and he, he went in a little more depth talking about what he was looking for in free agency he said he wasn't going to go after the big names but he did specify that he was going to go after some lower key uh, cheap young deals that you can that are available that he can maybe uh, take advantage of something that made me uh, something that reminded me was the um, the Mike uh, Bunting deal that he did in Toronto where he took a guy who wasn't seen highly amongst, you know, other GMs and he went with it and, um, yeah. And it worked out for him really well. Mike Bunting became a top six forward, a real physical force for them. I would look for the Penguins to look at some similar players, similar type players. I don't think he's going to sign Bunting because Bunting is, is a free agent, but he is going to demand a lot more than he did on the deal he signed with Toronto originally, which I believe was actually a two years around league minimum. I know it was below a million dollars. Um, but look for t- types of deals like that, some bottom six solidifying deals. I wrote an article and I talked about it before about depth, uh, depth players I thought the Penguins should go after. And some of them have actually already been signed. So I don't want to sound like an idiot here. But I'm going to go and take a peek here at my article. One of the ones I mentioned was Max Pacioretty, who I still believe would be a good option for the Penguins. A power play to, you know, third line scoring type guy would be very nice. Um, David Camp was one I really wanted, but he just signed about an hour ago with the Maple Leafs, a a four-year deal with $2.4 The projected contract on that was two years at $1.8 each. So that's a little much for him in my opinion, so... Toronto can have him. James Van Riemsdyk was another one, more along the lines of Max Pacioretty. Same with Jonathan Duran. Alex Kerfoot was an option who I've seen is actually still talking to Toronto, so he may not even make it to market either. And some of the honorable mentions I threw in there were Evgeny Dadunov, who, ironically enough, got re-signed uh, this morning, I believe, and Gus Nyquist. He, he has not been re-signed yet, so he's still an option. Just a few guys that were... Uh, are going to keep an eye on. And um, one thing that actually got brought up this morning by, I believe it was Frank Saravalli of Daily Faceoff, was that the Penguins and Dubas are looking to move off of Jeff Petrie, which was something that I was a big proponent of. I didn't think it was going to be possible, but if it is, hallelujah. 
because I another thing I wrote about was I wrote an article uh, last week about how I literally titled it how Ron Hextall ruined the Penguins defense and how Kyle Dubas can fix it. And I meant more along the lines of how he can fix it through free agency. But I did mention that if there's a possibility to trade Petrie, you should definitely look into it. And it looks like he's doing that. One name, one team that got brought up in the Petrie conversation were the San Jose Sharks, which seems a little odd. But I guess if they're moving Eric Carlson, there will be a hole on the you know right side, top four, a guy who can play power play minutes. So that makes a little sense, I guess. But that is contingent on them moving Eric Carlson. If they don't move him, the deal doesn't make any sense to me. But one of the names that Saravalli mentioned coming back to Pittsburgh was Capo Kakinen, who originally was a goaltender drafted by the Minnesota Wild a few years back. He was traded in the Jacob Middleton trade to uh, San Jose from Minnesota. And in San Jose, he hasn't had the best numbers. But you have to take it with a grain of salt. He's been on one of the worst teams in the league. And he showed some promise when he was with Minnesota. You know, he's still a young goalie. I think he has one year left at it's like two and a half or two seven five, something like that. I'd take a flyer on him. It seems like a very Kyle Dubas thing to do for a goalie. I don't know if I'd want him to be the, the go-to. I think if you're doing that, maybe you ship off to Smith and get a better, you know, one B one A, one B option as well. I don't think Kakinen's the starter, you know, the or the every you know, the majority starter, I should say. And I don't think Casey DeSmith is either, so I think Hackney would be a good backup. Don't think he'd be a good 1A or, start, or you know, solid starter. Um, and there's actually a rumor I saw right before I started recording here that just got tweeted out a little bit ago. Grain of Salt, I think it was one of the 93.7 guys who tweeted it out, but it was mentioning, um, where was it at? That the Penguins were talking to Boston about Linus Allmark. Uh, Allmark, who's just two days removed from winning his first career Vesna Trophy, so there's something there. Um, he is a um, he was a very interesting player because he's a five million dollars for the next two years guy. He had his career year. I think he just turned thirty or twenty nine. He's in that range. Um, you know, I I think it'd be a good addition although he's not my go-to Boston goaltender I think the one that aligns better with this team and what Kyle Dubas wants to do is Jeremy Swayman who that's the drum I've been beating for months now that I think the Penguins should go after uh would I be happy to see them uh acquire Allmark for the 14th overall pick not so much I'd feel a lot better if you're getting Swayman for 14th overall but I'm not sure um, we'll have to see about that one. It's interesting. Another Boston move that just happened, I think just now, was apparently Boston uh, got Milan Lucic again. So Lucic is going back to Boston. Obviously, he had his best years of his career in Boston. He won the cup with them, I believe, back in 2013. Is that, I think that was when they won it. Um, but yeah, a, a bit much. Uh, well, there's... 900,000 actually. So I guess not. That's not too bad. Uh, another trade that happened today Ross Colton goes from Tampa to Colorado. Colorado yesterday sent Alex Newhook to Montreal for, uh, you know, some two picks that were in the 30s. So basically a first and a second. And they used one of those picks to go get Ross Colton. Good little bit of work there for Colorado. Um, what else? Oh, the thing I wanted to talk about with the, uh, the Capitals. So. The owner, there's been some ownership mix up. Apparently, there's a, um, I believe it was a Qatari company 
that was looking to buy some of their some stake in the Capitals and Washington Wizards uh, ownership group. Let me confirm that before I just go and say it into a microphone. Uh, ownership. Let's see here. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, the Qatari Sovereign Wealth Fund. So similar to what happened with uh, Live, how the Saudi uh, fund bought part, uh, you know, basically bought part of uh, the PGA Tour. Now, uh, it looks like there, the, there's a Qatari version of that that's looking to buy into Monument Sports and Entertainment, who is the owner of the Washington Capitals, Wizards, and Mystics. But just this past couple of days, they're having uh, talks to leave Washington D.C. and start playing in Virginia. Now, the Capitals and the Wizards have played at the arena that they're currently at for, I believe, since the 90s. Let me double check that. Um, it was originally the Verizon Center. Now it is the Capital One Arena. And those teams have been there since 1997. So 25 years, about, is how old that, that arena is. And they're already looking for a new one. I've been to that arena before. It's not in terrible shape from what I've seen. But it looks like... The ownership group is, um, you know, negotiating with the uh, district of, you know, Washington D.C., as well as some jurisdictions outside of the district and in, in uh, Northern Virginia specifically, and they're looking to possibly leave Washington D.C., which would be quite, uh, it'd be a pretty significant move. Um, obviously, it's not very far, but I think it's a very symbolic move that they're leaving Washington D.C. They're obviously still going to be the Washington Capitals, the Washington um, football team, the commanders, whatever you want to call them. They haven't played in D.C., I don't think, in a very long time. They play in Maryland right now, uh, Landover, I believe. So obviously the teams would still be have hold the Washington name, just would no longer be playing in Washington. I don't like that too much. Uh, obviously, I'm not a Capitals fan, so I don't know the the ins and outs as much. But I do think generally moving your teams outside of the you know, population hub isn't that good, isn't a good thing. I think it's usually better whenever it's in the town that it's supposed to be in. It's easy to get to. There's a lot of public transportation that gets you to and from that arena. It's in the Chinatown in Washington, D.C. I don't see why. Uh, I mean, I'm sure they have a good reason to, and there's probably not a ton of room to build a new one in D.C. So maybe that's why. But nonetheless, um, probably not the best news for. Uh, Capitals fans and uh, you know in turn I mean it affects us a little bit because they're our rivals but uh, something to keep an eye on moving forward Um, what else is going on that I haven't talked about let's see there's a lot of moving parts today obviously it's the it's the day of the draft so uh, I'm still not shutting the door on Dubas uh, not trading that pick uh, but, 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 but I'm checking Twitter here to make sure I know what's going on here. Um, David Pagnotta uh, the, at the fourth period just tweeted that Semyon Varlamov is going to sign. It looks like he's going to sign an extension with the Islanders. Um, and they're still and the Islanders are still looking to trade Josh Bailey. So there's that. Um, oh, how did I forget this one? Timo Meyer signed this morning uh, with the New Jersey Devils, an eight-year deal of $8.8 million dollars. Crazy, crazy good uh, bit of business there by Tom Fitzgerald. Also, they acquired Tyler Toffoli yesterday for Igor Sharangovich and a third-round pick. 
that's a good bit of business there for New Jersey. Uh, they have a lot of their guys locked up for a long time. They're going to be a really good team moving forward. He has set them up perfectly, and they are going to be a contender for a long time in that Metro division. Listen to this. Eight years of Meyer, eight years of Bratt, seven years of Jack Hughes, five years of Dougie Hamilton, five years of Jonas Siegenthaler, four years of Heeshear, and multiple years for Dawson Mercer, Luke Hughes, uh, Simon Nemich, and they're all under... 9 million AAV. Uh, even Marino has some uh, term left. Just crazy, crazy good stuff there from the New Jersey general manager, Tom Fitzgerald, formerly of the Penguins management. Ba, ba, ba. What else do we have going on here? Uh, ba, ba, ba. There's some rumors that's in the top five, some picks may be dealt. Um, Montreal and San Jose have been mentioned. Uh, it seems a little more so. Um, than usual, or at least than before. It didn't seem like there was much of an, like that was going to really happen, but it seems like now, possibly, we may see some movement there. I still tend to believe that they're not going to do that, but um, nonetheless, uh, just coming out now, we knew Mike Babcock was the Columbus Blue Jackets head coach, but it seems like it's going to be officially announced uh, here soon. Pierre LeBrun is confirming that he's going to get two year deal worth four million a season, which still puts him. I don't know if it's the highest paid coach in the uh, NHL, but definitely in the upper echelon. Uh, bu- 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 oh, the, I don't know if I even if it was confirmed when I last talked about it, but um, the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade officially happened. Gabe Velarde, Alex Iafalo, Rasmus Campari, and a second-round pick are going to Winnipeg. And Pierre-Luc Dubois signs an eight-year deal with Los Angeles worth, worth $8.5 million. I think that was a bit much for Pierre-Luc Dubois. I think his underlying numbers definitely prove that he has the potential to be a first-line center, especially once Kopitar calls it. He's He uh, isn't as defensively sound as Kopitar, but I think he'd make a very good first-line center eventually one day for that team. Um, but they give up a lot. They did give up a good bit. They didn't have to give up, give up a first, which is good, but having to give up those uh, two you know everyday roster forwards and Kapari, who's on the edge there, who's going to be make it be an everyday player soon. Uh, it, it's not great, but they got the guy that they wanted. They got the superstar, or the potential superstar. He still hasn't put up the numbers to prove that he is that guy, but I think he has the potential to do so. Now, as it sits right now, it is three ten. I'm going to pause. I'm going to end this episode. I'm going to take a little break. I have some other things I got to do tonight. I actually have a live stream I'll be doing with the uh, Hockey Podcast Network that will be uh, on YouTube. I will be there live for the 32nd pick in the draft, the Vegas Golden Knights pick. As of right now, we'll see what happens. Um, You can find me there. I'm looking forward to watching the draft along with those guys. And I'm going to probably do a review uh, episode in the next day or two, there's a lot that's happening in these next few days. Day two of the draft is obviously tomorrow. And then in two or three days after that, we have free agent frenzy. So it's a lot that's going to be happening here. I got you everything up to date that I know of right now, but until then I'm going to take a break, get this edited and uploaded and we'll see what all happens from there because things are going to go down. Maybe we see another Eric Carlson deal happen here. I think, uh, Get some clarity on some free agents. Some guys have, some, you know, dominoes have fallen, like the Pierre-Luc Dubois of the world and whatnot, but I think there's so much more to happen. The goalie market hasn't even started. You know, those dominoes haven't fallen yet, and I expect Pittsburgh to be, hopefully, in the thick of it. 
So that'll be all for this episode of the Penscast, but keep an eye on, I might be doing some shorter episodes here soon to review everything that happens. Specifically, if the Penguins do anything big, I'll be on top of that, obviously. But until next time, that'll be all. Thank you for listening, and we'll see ya.